1: on DAB digital radio
2: online and on 1089 and 1053 AM. This is Motty Meets, the emperor
1: of fervent football punditry. Majestically sits atop of his sheepskin adorned throne as he holds court with a football legend. Motty Meets on Talk Sport. I'm John Motson and on this edition of Motty Meets I'm joined by one of the great goalkeepers in English football history. The former Arsenal and England number one, 75 caps, over 1,000 games, David Seaman. Page
2: again, the chance to hook it in, and it's not gone in, how did it it stay out, Asaba can't believe it. Asaba's volley, and then Pesca Solido, and Seaman, what a magnificent save, breathtaking.
1: One of the greatest, if not the greatest, save I've ever witnessed live when David prevented Paul Pesca-Solido scoring in the semi-final of the FA Cup back in 2003. We'll be discussing that particular moment in more detail later. But first, David, let's go back to the 1960s. Growing up in Rotherham. Yes. Who were your goalkeeping heroes?
3: Um, I think at the time, because I've always been a Leeds fan, I would be looking at David Harvey. But he, he wasn't a tall goalkeeper. So, you know, a little bit later, I used to watch Ray Clemens. You know, like even like with Shultz a little bit, it was, you know, the, the difference in size was was quite big. Um, you know, so I always looked at, at Ray. And then even Bruce Grobbler you know, because Bruce Grobbler when he came to Liverpool, he, he really raised the bar on, on goalkeeping and, and where it was possible to take crosses. You know, he was sometimes nearly
1: out of his box, never mind the six-yard box. Well, you joined Leeds United, managed by Eddie Gray, I think, at the time. First choice goalkeeper there was John Lukic. And you left, I think, a little bit sadly, didn't you?
3: I left very sad, yeah. um, I I went there as a kid. I I was at school until Friday. I left on a Friday and I was starting at Leeds on the Monday. That's how quick it went as an apprentice. Um, And then I had two years there as an apprentice, then a year as a pro and then, like you say, Eddie Gray, the uh, the manager at the time, I never forget walking into his room and he was saying, "Look, we're going to have to let you go. I want to try and get an experienced goalkeeper's cover for John," and and that was it. And I was, I went home, and I never forget. I've cried my eyes out because I was thinking, "What am I going to do now? You know, where am I going to go? I've just had Eddie Gray tell me that I'm not really good enough. So what am I going to become now? You know, I just thought that my football days were over. Well, they certainly weren't. Your next stop was Peterborough. Yeah, exactly. And and the lucky bit about that is that Alan Clark was the manager of Leeds and then he got psyched and that's when Eddie took over. But Alan Clark's assistant was a guy called Martin Wilkinson. And he got the manager's job at Peterborough, found out that I'd been released or was available and then he came in for me. so so from being told I weren't good enough, I had a week to start thinking about what I was gonna do. Then I got a phone call or my or my dad my mum and dad got the phone call. Um, saying that they want to go down to Peterborough, and the first thing asked said to my
1: dad, I was like, "Where's Peterborough?" Well, <laughs> I tell you what, there's still a David Seaman suite at the ground there, so <laughs> it, so it's very much on the map. Oh yes, yes. It's, it's, I remember opening that. <laughs> <laughs> now, in October, 1984, after two seasons at Peterborough, you joined Birmingham City, and I think uh, Ron Saunders may have been an influence on you there.
3: He was. He was a big influence, and um, when I when I went to Birmingham, you know, I it, it was I'd, I'd had two seasons at Peterborough. And, Word was getting out of this young guy that Peterborough was doing. I was doing quite well, you know, and it was, it was a big big uh, move for me because when I went to Peterborough, I didn't realise how, how big it was, you know, and the fact that as a 19-year-old lad, I was now playing against fully-grown men, you know, fully-grown men and footballers that were big and strong, you know. So every time I went out for a cross, I knew I was going to get hit. So it was a great learning curve for me. But then when I went to Birmingham, I was really surprised at how much goalkeeping knowledge Ron Saunders had. The very day that I signed for Birmingham, I signed my contract and he says, right, we're we're going to do a training session. I was like, what? So we're doing a training session on the pitch at St. Andrews with all the press there. I was like, oh, wow. I got no kit with me or anything anyway. So like, they gave me the gloves and the boots and I got all the kit on. And then he got some apprentices that were there that were taking these shots at me. And I was like, not only was I nervous, I was shattered as well, you know, because of all the, the tension of actually signing for Birmingham. And i go out on the pitch and do some drills and that lot. And I was really impressed by his goalkeeping knowledge. But to be fair to him, as soon as that training session was over, he went into the press conference and he just went, that
1: lad will play for England. Well, wow, good <laughs> prediction. <laughs> Only 75 times. <laughs> now, in your first season at Birmingham, the club won promotion to the old First Division. But the last home game of the season, uh, I think it was a 1-0 win against Leeds at St Andrews, uh, there was a really serious riot. Yeah. Um, around 500 people were injured. A 15-year-old boy died when a wall collapsed. It was the same day, David, as the Bradford City Fire... Wow. So that, that. that was the yeah. mid 80s. It was a bad yeah. time for football, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it- was. I, I do remember the game
3: and um, and I remember being aware of trouble in the crowd. Um, you know, the the Birmingham fans and Leeds fans fighting and then the police going into the to the Leeds fans and then, you know, people like trying to get away. And then that's where the wall fell up, fell down and obviously killed the little, the young lad. Um, and it also flattened one of our players' cars. You know, we saw we saw what had happened the next day, and it, and it it wasn't a pretty sight. But it was a it was one of those games where it was good for us because we were getting promoted,
1: but then it was soured by the death of the uh, of the young lad. Well, after the uh, first season or only season in Division One, Birmingham actually were relegated, and you were soon on the move again. Joining Queens Park Rangers, two hundred and twenty-five thousand pounds.
3: I know, yeah, that's right. You know, it was and it was strange, you know, because I was only what about 22 ish, and, and I'd gone there, and to go up was brilliant, but then to come straight back down. But then before I got, I knew, you know, I'd, you know, I'd realized that we were getting relegated. I was I was being sold to QPR, and uh, you know, it was a it was a great move for me. The only downside of the move to going to QPR was that. But they were still on the plastic at the time. So my first season at QPR was on the plastic
1: pitch, which was as hard as this countertop. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure. And Jim Smith, uh, I think, was manager there at the time, wasn't he? Now, you... Ended the 1987-88 season, fifth in the old First Division, Queen's Park Rangers, one point above Arsenal.
3: So <laughs> <see>, we'll really? <laughs> come on to shortly.
1: You were London's top club. Wow, I didn't realise
3: that. <laughs> that. That's good. Yeah, we we, we, had it, we had a decent team then. And, um, you know, from, from the transition, to, from the plastic, even the great Alan Brazil played at QPR when I played with him in, in my first season at QPR. You know, we used to travel down from Birmingham together and uh, and I always remember then. Obviously, he had he had his back problems at the time, and then he he retired. But then moving on from that, we had we had a pretty decent team, and like you say, you know, to finish fifth and be the top London team was brilliant.
1: Was it around this time that you struck up a friendship with Bob Wilson?
3: Yeah, it was because Bob was full time goalkeeping coach at Arsenal, and then I managed. I think it was through Don Howe that managed to get Bob to come over to QPR and do one one day a week. You know, so that was like for. I think my second or third season, no, third season at QPR. And it was brilliant for me because he was the first guy that I'd ever had that was, was not my coach, but the goalkeeping coach. You know, like I said before, like Ron Saunders knew a, a lot about goalkeeping, about positioning, about about going down the line or dropping back and then reactions and, and a lot of good drills. But Bob was different. He was a guy that would give you confidence in training, you know, not just in games. You know, it'd be we would do drills where you had to make a worldy save to make, to get out of the drill. But even if you made that after like two or three shots, it would be like, right, out. So that you finish the drill on a high, you know, and your confidence stays high. So to have Bob for my last two seasons at QPR was brilliant. And then
1: the move happened. Well, yes, but while you were at QPR, you made your England debut, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, I think this was against Saudi Arabia and Riyadh?
3: Uh, No, Saudi (laughs) Saudi Arabia away. We flew out by Concorde. (laughs) We flew back by Concorde, which diverted to go around the pyramids so that we could see it out the window. Part of the deal with with England was they were sponsored by Ford at the time. So new debutants got an XR3i to
1: to drive around in for a year. And I was like, wow, this is a great life, this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually... Um, Bobby Robson was manager and yeah. I think a lot of people probably won't remember that you only missed out on the 1990 World Cup you know Italian 90 yeah. because I think you broke your finger I broke my thumb in training so I was third choice goalkeeper at the time and I
3: was out there for probably about the first four games and, um, and, I, and I always remember we was in training Paul Parker hit a shot at me and I, and I saved it and knocked the ball away and I was getting ready for the next guy to come through on a shooting drill, for some reason, Paul decided to kick this loose ball at the goal. Kicked it at the goal while I wasn't looking, and it just hit me directly on the end of my thumb and broke it. And like you say, I said, I'd only just signed for Arsenal at the time, you know. So there was there was big worries because the Arsenal doctor was also the England doctor, Doc Crane. He says, "Right, we need to go to the hospital, get X-rayed," and went there. showed it was it was broken. He said, "Right, we've now got to go and see George Graham, who was." Obviously, going to be my new manager. Yes, your
1: new manager, because of course it was in 1990 that you moved, wasn't it? Yeah. Now, obviously, you became a, a cornerstone of of that Arsenal back five, I and mean, we'll go on to all the achievements in a minute. But I think we should mention Dixon, Adams, Bold and Winterburn. Oh, I mean, yeah. goodness me, <laughs> what you <laughs> what know? What a back four that is. Yes. You know, yeah. and it and it was, and it and it weren't by
3: fluke either. It was by hard work and and dedication and a lot of teaching him with George Graham. You know, George Graham drilled that back four probably two or three times a week and we would be doing the back four against eight attackers and me behind them, you know, and they they wouldn't get through. They very very rarely got through and uh, and tested me. They were they, they were that good, you know, but it, but like I say, it wasn't
1: by fluke, it was by sheer hard work. Now your first season there, in fact, you won the league under George Graham, didn't you? Only one defeat all season against Chelsea.
3: Yeah, that's right. You know, And and like you said, John, it was my first season. And to have replaced my, my friend in John Lukey was a massive season for me. Because what happened was when I was at QPR, I went to go and have uh, talks with Arsenal. And the transfer fell through because John didn't want to leave. You know, so then I had to go back to QPR for the last, I think it was about the last month or so of of the season. You know, so I got a bit of stick, and then there was like a momentum change of the fans singing that they don't want to lose John Lukic. You know, they were like, we all agree Seaman is uh, Luke is better than Seaman. You know, they were singing songs about me and everything. I'm thinking, oh no, you know, little did they know I'd already signed for the club. You know, <laughs> so the pressure was building, and then I had to go there, and I just wanted to, I wanted to try and show what I could do. You know, and my—I remember first my first game in England for Arsenal was a friendly away at Wolves, and uh, pre-season friendly, and I did okay then, and then
1: eventually I won the fans over. Well, in that first season, nineteen ninety ninety one, you played all thirty eight league games in that championship-winning side. So you also reached the semi-final of the FA Cup. I mentioned that partly in passing because it yeah. was the Gaza goal at Wembley, wasn't it? It
3: was. It was the the um, how do I say? It's the game that I. I turned up, at, but I never played <laughs> because I had a bad game. You know, by, by my standard, you know, Gaza's free kick. I always feel I should have saved that. And then even Gary Lineker had a chance when he made he made it three one. And it like I had what we call chocolate wrists on it. My my wrists weren't strong enough at all, and it, you know, but it it was it was a, a memorable game because Arsenal hadn't played Tottenham in the semi final of the FA Cup for a long time, and uh, you know, and it was that Gaza
1: free kick which he never ever lets me forget about. Mind you, you got your revenge over Spurs in an FA Cup semi final two years later. And Merson chips it in.
2: And in came Terry Adams. And Arsenal have taken the lead. Anderton. Oh, and Seaman had to make it. And he did. It came off his own player. It was a wicked deflection. And the goalkeeper makes a vital save.
1: Tony Adams scoring the winners. This was a 93 when Arsenal won both the cups, the League Cup and the FA Cup at Wembley.
3: Yeah, that's right. You know, and it was a big relief when we actually beat Spurs. You know, to um, get revenge for the the first semi final, but then to go on and beat Sheffield Wednesday twice was brilliant. Especially for me being a Yorkshireman from Rotherham, which is right next door to Sheffield. You know, I've got a lot of my friends that were Sheffield Wednesday fans and. You know, they were giving me a lot of stick until we actually played them in the final. This is Motty Meats on Talk Sport with David
1: Seaman. Now, Arsenal were moving into European territory, weren't they? I mean, uh, you won the Cup Winners' Cup, beating Palmer in Copenhagen. And was, was that a big step forward when Arsenal started to mix with the... Uh, best and biggest and best in Europe it it was a big step forward it was a step that I don't think that the team that
3: we had out in the final wasn't really ready for it's just that the back four again were doing their stuff because I think Palmer had people like Zola, Brolin, Espria but the thing that I remember the most of, of all about the game is when we arrived there there was a podium at the side of one of the stands and it was obviously the podium for after the game and it had winners Palmer written on it already and the lads saw that, and we were like, "Oh, really? Obviously, they just got a little extra piece of wood that they were going to slide in in case we won it." Yeah. But um, it was great motivation for us. But uh, yeah, I remember us catching. I think it was a spear. We caught him offside about a hundred times in that game. You know, so. He- it gave us a good breather.
1: Well, in fact, you reached the final again the following season, but by now, George Graham had been sacked. Yeah. Stuart Houston, I think, was caretaker manager when you went to the Parc des Princes in Paris. Yeah. Um, and it was Zaragoza. I know. I, I'm, gonna, I'm, so, I'm sorry, David. <laughs> I can't but,
3: believe you're going to say his name, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you. I mean, the, fa- the
1: fans used to chant it, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. naive, oh, naive yeah. from the halfway exactly. line. What happened?
3: Oh, well, it even spurs. They had a I mean, fanzine magazine... <laughs> Invented over that mistake, saying one flew over Seaman's head. That was that was the name of the magazine. Um, yeah, what happened? Well, to be fair to Naeem, though he he, he meant that. Or it was a bit of a fluke, but he actually meant to do it because he he'd done it a little bit earlier on in the game where he tried it and it almost hit the corner flag. You know that he decides to do it in the last minute of extra time. You know, I'm I'm thinking of penalties and I just, I just knew I was struggling and it was swerving in the air. I got my feet mixed up. It goes in, and I'm thinking, oh God, why me? You know, and, and you know, little did I know that there was going to be another one that was very similar to it later on in my career.
1: Well, we'll go there later <laughs> because by now you had established yourself as England's number one goalkeeper. Um, you played in that match in Rotterdam when England's World Cup hopes for yeah. qualifying for, for 94 collapsed. And, of course, Graham Taylor had his row with the uh, with the, re- the the referee over the Ronald Koeman yeah. incident. And then, of course, I remember two other games around that time, going to uh, play San Marino when they scored in nine seconds. Uh, no, and we, I, was, I was thinking we need to win by at
3: least seven, mm. on, only if Holland didn't do very well in their game. And then, like you say, after so many seconds, Stuart Pierce sends me a short-back pass. The guy nipped in, took it round me, and we were one nil down in less than a minute. So it wasn't the best of starts. No, so we didn't make
1: USA '94, no, but what right. we did make, of course, and this is a, a centerpiece in your in your distinguished career, Euro '96. Yeah. Uh, now you must have really enjoyed that for just, all sorts oh, of reasons.
3: Just great, great memories, John. You know, and, you know, not only you know was it in England and and we were playing at, at the old Wembley. You know, just the way that the tournament went. You know, we we didn't start very well. I think it was Switzerland and we had ended up with a one-one draw. Then we've got to play Scotland next and we're thinking, Oh no. You know, so we needed to win that game and you know, obviously I had, you know, quite a big influence. Now let's <laughs>
1: just stop there for a moment because everybody remembers Gaza's goal yeah. against Scotland, but a lot of people don't remember, it was only two minutes earlier. <laughs> You'd saved a penalty from Gary McAllister.
3: Exactly. And it was Tony Adams that gave the penalty away and it was a blatant penalty. Um, and I remember getting up thinking, oh, no, you know, because we were 1-0 up at the time. I was just hoping that I'd get a chance of saving it. And then when I saw it was Gary coming up and Gary had had a few penalties against me before and I knew that he, he changed his sides sometimes he hit it hard, sometimes he placed it, and I weren't too sure what, was, what he was going to do. So I just waited and then waited. And then, to be fair to, to Gary, the ball did start to move a little tiny bit. And I think that's why he went for pace, and he hit it so hard that I'd already decided which way I was going to. I was going to dive to my right. And he hit it that hard that I couldn't get my arm out straight to stop it. So I just stuck my elbow up, which was like the quickest way of stopping it. Luckily, it caught caught me right on the end of the elbow, flew over the crossbar. And then the next thing I remember is Tony Adams just running up to me and giving me a kiss on the cheek. And he got a real bristly chin. It's
2: Gary McAllister this week. Oh, save by Seaman.
1: <laughs> well, well done. Well, so we beat Scotland two 0 Then, of course, the game against Holland when Shearer and Sheringham were yeah. on fire four one. But now let's get to the quarter final against Spain because now here yeah. you were really under the microscope—a oh, penalty yes. shootout.
3: Yeah, penalty shootout. But in a game where we were, all, you know, we were lucky to stay to stay in the game. Um, you know, course Spain, Spain had a, I think they had a goal disallowed for offside that wasn't quite offside—and um, and they were on top a lot, but. Uh, but then to go to the uh, to the shootout and and I remember like I think one of them missed and then it came down to my save and it was against Nadal wasn't it and I remember the commentary about the beast of barcelona and then the next scene but if you watched if you watched that footage when I make the save I don't realize for probably about what 2 seconds that that's the deciding penalty so I make the save and I get up and as I get up I look and I can see all the lads just over towards me. And then I realised, and, you know, I throw my arms in the air and then we just, you know,
1: we just had a great time after that. So after all that excitement, how how disappointing was the... Oh, uh, also, of course, this is another penalty shootout, the semi-final against Germany.
3: Yeah, it was. It was really disappointing because we knew that we were so close. It was a great night as well. It was, you know, we, we played well. Germany played well. And I think, you know, when it went to extra time and then penalties, it was... It was like kind of the fair result, not result, but a fair conclusion to go to penalties, because both teams were playing really well. You know, we had Gaza's chance. Yeah, we had Darren's chance, Darren Anderton's chance, where he, he I think he hit the post. You know, Gaza was inches away from from getting us through because it was golden goal time, wasn't it? Then? It was. It was frustrating, but then I'm thinking, oh, here's a chance of glory again. You know, of course, the goalkeepers are in a, a win-win situation in the penalty shootout. You never really get blamed for if you let a penalty in. And I, I just remember, I, I actually touched one of the penalties. You know, and that was like fingertips. They were so good at their penalties. They were experts, weren't they? Yeah, they, they were, you know, and they had the confidence of taking the penalties and they would pick a spot and they could hit it. You know, unluckily for us, you know, we, you know, we had um, <laughs> poor Gareth coming up and, uh, you know, when I saw him coming up, I'd, I was thinking, I've never seen him take a penalty in training. You know, so I was surprised that he was coming up to take one, you know, but he, he'd shown the bottle you know he he put his hand up and you know so you have to respect him for that but you know obviously uh, he missed the penalty and we were out and it was it was such a strange feeling after after all that had happened in Euro 96 that as quick as that you're out and that's it
1: you're done it was a strange strange feeling well within a few months of Euro 96 Arsenal had a new manager yeah tell me about the first impressions and impact of Arsene Wenger
3: so when when we found out that Arsenal had signed a lot of the players, including me, we went like Arson Who? Because we'd never heard of him. We knew that Glenn Hoddle had mentioned about him before. Um and then when he came, we saw him and he was this guy that looked like a you know, he looked like a teacher or a professor, you know, he didn't look like a a, a manager or you know, a coach or anything like that. But then as soon as we start we, we met him and then we had training sessions with him. And he came in and he just changed everything about Arsenal. The way that we trained, the way we played. You know, We, we even had like Tony Adams and Steve Bould playing out from the back, which was never known. But not only that, the nutrition side of it was just phenomenal. We were watching the French lads, people like um, Patrick Vieira, and Manu Petit, Gilles Grimondi, Remy Gard, Nicolas Henelka, eating so much food before the games. They couldn't believe it. We were thinking, how are they going to run around with all that food inside them? But we were watching them and they were hardly ever tired within ninety minutes. So a lot of the players then got on the on the diet and just noticed a massive difference in their games as well, you know, but they were they were lasting the whole the whole ninety minutes a lot better, you know. And to be fair to Arsene, he put a good two or three years, extra years, on that back force careers.
1: Cutting out the drinking.
3: Cutting out a lot of the drinking, you know. We're still English. We still sneaked a few. <laughs> but right. the Tuesday, but the Tuesday club
1: got that abandoned went, straight the, the away. The Tuesday club yeah. was out, right? Yeah. Now, in his first full season, ninety-seven, ninety-eight, you won the double. Yeah, uh, one point ahead of Manchester United in the Premier League, and always nice to win at Wembley. You beat Newcastle United.
3: Yeah, it's, it's it's great to win at Wembley, but you know to do the double was so special. It was, it was, it was quite special for me as well because Bob. Bob Wilson, my coach, my full-time coach now at Arsenal, always used to remind me, yeah, but I'm the only goalkeeper to have won the double at Arsenal. Of course. So we used yeah. to have a bit of banter going on about that and uh, it was brilliant to equal um, his achievement you know, when, when we did that. And like you said, to, to cap it off with um, a win at Wembley against Newcastle was brilliant and, and not for Shearer to score past me. There's Parlett. Looking for Anelka.
2: Oh, the flag stays down. Can Anelka take it on from here? Nicholas Anelka! is that going to clinch the double
1: well now you were you were flying on all cylinders you were winning the league you were winning the cup you were the established england goalkeeper and that meant of course the 1998 world cup in france yeah and the the, uh, infamous match i suppose i should call it against argentina
3: yeah that's right you know and it was it was a it was a strange world cup you know because we we played okay and then we we get a chance of of playing Argentina to go, you know, into into the next knockout stage. Yeah. And I remember that everybody just felt really tired. You know, and Glenn had got a lot of guys around him, like doc- club doctors and nutritionists and that and, and we all a lot of the players needed like a vitamin boost. You know, and luckily that's what a lot of the players did because the game went twice to extra time and then it went to penalties and, and I remember I think I don't know whether it was a second or third penalty. I actually saved one, and then I think it was Paul Innes came up afterwards, and it was a great chance for us to like really stamp mm. our authority in the shootout. And Paul's penalties, I think it was saved, wasn't it? Yeah, and then yeah. David Batty, of course, wasn't yeah. it the last one? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it was really disappointing, and you know, and especially against Argentina, was, you know, it's a team that you always want to sure. you you always want to beat them.
1: Yeah, we should also mention Michael Owen's goal, of course, which yeah, uh, went down very in history young as Michael yes, Owen. a very
3: young, man. Yes, you know, that was that was amazing for him to be involved in that game and then score a goal like that was just amazing, you know. But we'd seen that in training, you know, we knew what he was capable of, you know. But to actually do it on a stage like that, on a World Cup stage against Argentina, was just phenomenal.
0: Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at Burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at Burrow.com ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
1: This is Motty Meats on Talk Sport with David Seaman. Now, you were playing in finals nearly every year of one sort or another, David. You had now got this reputation of being a, a big match goalkeeper. <laughs> Arsenal got to another final in the UEFA Cup in 2000. Now, here again we come to penalties. I know, yeah. Because the, the Turkish team, Galatasaray, uh, beat you 4-1. I know. Yeah, it was, that was another
3: one where you go into that game or going to the shootout, I should say, as and thinking I've got a chance here. You know, I've got a chance of of, of making glory, um, and yeah, and it just wasn't to be. Sometimes there is an unstoppable penalty, you know, and, and sometimes you guess right, and sometimes you guess wrong. And normally I can guess right, you know, but I, I remember against Galatasaray, it was, um, you know, they they ate some good penalties. But I always I, used, I always used to say that I had this secret of how to save penalties. And all it was, John, is I just used to on the way the attacker approached the ball, at what angle he ran at the ball dictated to me which way I was going to go, and I just went. As soon as they put their head down to look at the ball, I moved so that they couldn't see me moving, and that was it. But whenever I got a chance of saying anything about it in the press, I said I got this secret theory, well, <laughs> just to try and get into the striker's head. Seems to work to me.
1: <laughs> so four years after Euro '96, we went to the championships again uh, in Belgium and Holland this time. Yeah. Quite a, a memorable, one memorable game game because we beat Germany 1-0. Beat Germany, yeah. Uh, after beating Scotland in playoffs to get there. Yeah. Uh, we beat Germany with uh, Alan Shearer scoring. Um, I believe you're quite proud about your performance that day, David. Yeah. Rightly so.
3: Yeah, it was. It was a great It was a great day because it's, it's always nice to, to beat the Germans, especially after Euro 96. And I remember the game being really tight. You know, Alan scored. But the biggest memory I've got is the England fans in one of the stands. They were singing and jumping up and down that much that you could actually see the stand flexing, you know, because they were just, they would all jumping up and down together. It was just a, a great sight. But then you're thinking, hang on a minute, it was like quite worrying because in case anything happened, but. Fortunately, it didn't, but they certainly made a lot of noise that night.
1: Well, that was a, a a good night for England, but what wasn't such a good night for England, or for you, actually, was when we lost to Romania in yeah. the third group game, 3-2. Now, I had to check this out, actually. I, I'd almost forgot. I gather you were injured in the warmer. Oh, no, I was. I remember it well, and uh, I remember going
3: out with Ray Clemens, doing my warm-up, and I was literally a minute at the end of my warm-up. So it wasn't like I wasn't warmed up. I'd done all, all my my normal drills, and then i just said to ray just knock a few more balls at me you know just like directly at me and he knocked one at me and I, along the ground and i just leant over to pick it up and i just felt my hamstring go you know and it was it weren't like just a little pull it was an actual like a tear you know and i felt the sharpness of it and i was like oh no i said to Ray, i, said, I think i've just pulled my hamstring and ray was like what he went "Get in straight away and you know let them sort you out and i went into the physio and um and i'm saying look i think i think my hamstring has gone and they told me to do some stretches on it, and every time I did the stretch, I was like pulling up in agony. And I was, and I said, "Look, I can't do it." I said, "I can't go out there," and then all of a sudden, know that I can't take a goal kick or anything, and then that's a substitution gone, you know. So, luckily or unluckily, for Nigel Martin, he had to he, he had came to be in. ready straight hmm. away. Yeah. You know, it was hard because it was near the end of my warm up, so this was at about probably only about fifteen minutes before kick off. You know that he
1: realised that he was going to be playing. And we lost three two, um, and England's fortunes now a little bit of a dip. Well, coming on to the two thousand and two World Cup qualifying campaign, we played our last game at Wembley, didn't we? The old Wembley yeah. against the Germans. Against the
3: Germans, yeah. And, and I remember that well, you know, because it was a. I remember a, it was Hamann had a he had a free kick just outside the box, and it was a very like wet day, rainy day. And I remember him hitting this ball, and I knew it was going to bounce right in front of me. And and on an angle, and I I just thought, try and get something behind it. But as I tried to get something behind it, it just lifted off the turf a little bit more than I I expected, skidded off my glove, and it went into the goal. And uh, like you say, that was the last game that we we played at Wembley. And also then what happened after that was that... uh, the manager Kevin Keegan decided decided to uh, or, to resign, uh, uh,
1: reportedly resigned in the toilets and uh, yeah immediately after the I know, game. It's true, I was there. Yeah. Well, I well, was I was, yeah.
3: I was there to witness that. You know where I can remember him having a chat. I think David Davis was there as well, and I remember them talking. And he was saying that I have took it as far as I can. And then I, as I like walked past, I realized what he was saying. And I was like, I, and I remember saying to Kevin "I said, I think you're making the wrong decision, mate. You know, but he, he'd already made his mind. You know what Kevin's like, stubborn, when, very stubborn." Love lovely guy but a stubborn guy, but but a guy that knows what he wants and he and he just felt that that, that was the right time.
1: Anyway, things turned because uh, Sven Joran Eriksson took over as manager and a year later we played the return in Munich against Germany. Oh yeah. A game I'll always remember fondly, one of the best England performances I saw as a commentator. Yeah. I mean what what can you say? Five
3: one? Five one and in, and you know, in a game where where Germany were good. You know, they were a good team at the time and then for us to go there and I think it was at 1-1 I had I had a save to make and I remember that I was struggling with a shoulder injury and I made a save, I think I don't know whether it was from Yanka, down to my right and, it, and I remember it going out to, for a corner and then I remember thinking, oh please take your time with a corner because my shoulder's like really aching and I just had to like move it around a bit to warm it back up or get it moving again. And uh, anyway, that, that happened, and then so that that was at one-one, and then only went to score another four.
2: Beckham scores again. Now Heskey's to his left unmarked. Emil Heskey, could it be five? Yes, it is. This is developing into one of the most memorable performances that an England team has put up in recent years.
3: It was so good, but we couldn't really celebrate because we that was on a I think that was on a Saturday night we had a game on the Wednesday. Yes. You know, another game and that was up in, uh, up at Newcastle for England. And I think, I can't remember who it was against, but it was, um, you know, we were like told like, just be careful, you know, because we, we knew that we'd, had a, an amazing result, yeah. you know. We wanted to celebrate a little bit, but we just had to be very careful.
1: That season, leading up to the World Cup, David, two thousand and one two, you had one of your very few ongoing injuries. I seem to remember. I mean, you, you Arsenal won the league and cup double in that season, but you only played seventeen league games. Yeah, and in international terms, Nigel Martin, I think, played in six of the last seven prior to the finals because of your injury. Yeah, that's right. You know, I had a I had a shoulder
3: injury that kept reoccurring Um, and it was just a case of trying to get to the finals you know so um, yeah that's 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 why I didn't play and you know and and in 2002 I'm getting you know I'm getting a little bit older (laughs) so we should say you know so it's taking a lot longer to recover you know that was one of the good things with Arsene Menger he was brilliant at he knew what sort of injury it was how old you were meant how long you were going to be off he was so detailed in 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 things like that you know he just he was brilliant at stuff like that you know so the, but you know every time that I, I was back fit he always put me straight back in yeah well rightly so i think
1: uh, cup final time again of course we should mention too the cup final was being played at cardiff then 2001 arsenal lost 2-1 to liverpool two late goals by M- michael owen yes <laughs> uh, but the following year Um, you played against uh, Chelsea at the Millennium and you won the Cup.
3: Yeah, exactly. And uh, I remember that well because Cardiff was was strange. It was a strange place to play, but it was a great atmosphere in there. It was nothing like Wembley. No, I enjoyed it, I must say. But it was a a great atmosphere. And then we also, I think, we played another one later on against Southampton with the the roof on. And it was a totally different atmosphere again. But but to to beat Chelsea, I I remember in the FA Cup, all the games leading up to it, Richard Wright played all the games. And then we got Chelsea in the final and then Arson said, you're playing in the final. So, you know, you can imagine Richard Wright's attitude yeah, after cause he, that. Because he, he
1: deputised for he, you in all the earlier rounds. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah,
3: we were at the stage, you know, like where mm. they were rotating the squad. Sure, sure. You know, and Richard was always playing in the FA Cup. But then as soon as we got to the final, he was like, no, I'm playing my strongest team. We went out there and won it, you know, and so it was justified.
1: Cup. And won the cup, so yeah. so it was. So you went off to Japan and South Korea on a fairly yeah. uh, successful note. Now, well, um, <laughs> we're going to have to come on <laughs> to this, back, David. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> well, let, let's let's just remind people what happened. We in the group, we drew with Sweden. We we beat Argentina. David Beckham, yeah. of course, Penalty, made up for what yeah, had happened and before. A revenge, yes, yeah. in in that indoor stadium in Sapporo, the Sapporo Dome. Then we drew 0-0 with Nigeria, which yeah. I think, looking back, meant we weren't in the easiest part of the draw because we beat Denmark 3-0 in the first knockout round. Yeah. And then we went to Shizuoka. And, of course, it was Brazil in the quarterfinals. Uh, Michael Owen gives England the lead, 23 minutes. Now, just before we get on to what happened later, am I right in thinking that towards the end of the first half, I know Rivaldo equalised for Brazil. Yeah. Did Gary Lewin, in the physio come on the pitch and give you some treatment?
3: Yeah, because I I went up, a ball got knocked in. I think it hit one of our defenders and popped up in the air, and then I came out and I shouted keepers, and Saul was was there, and he because I shouted keepers, he didn't jump, but he didn't move out of the way, so I ended up going over his back, and almost like flipping, but my head hit into the ground, and then my legs came over the the other side of me, and like really, if I'm honest, it didn't at the time it didn't hurt. You know, but I, I just, I knew I needed treatment, but all it had done is just like hyper-extended my back. But I was, I felt I was fine. though. I didn't get any pain after the treatment. We went in at half time and I still felt okay. You've never made that as an excuse for no, what happened it later. wasn't, John. Because I, I wasn't. You know, I carried on. If I, if I, if I knew that I was injured, especially in a game like that, I would have come off. You know, there was no doubt about it. But I, I felt fine. You know, but it, it was one of those, those uh, challenges or or incidents where you think, oh, when you see it, you know, because like like my back like went the other way. But honestly, I was fine.
1: Well, you were fine until, until. of course, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the fiftieth uh, minute and Ronaldinho's free kick. Now, before you give me your version of this, which obviously <laughs> yeah. what you're here, what what we want to hear, I must be, tell you that there was a tremendous argument in the BBC commentary box about this goal. Right, I've never seen anything quite like it in my time as a, because I went and joined uh, the, the pundits in the in the uh, studio at the end of the game, and Alan Hansen and Gary Lineker was insisting it was a freak, Ronaldinho's free kick. Ian Wright... And I've got to be honest here, because I'd seen him score one in Brazil, not dissimilar in a club game. Right. Ian Wright and I were trying to suggest <laughs> that it, perhaps Ronaldinho right, yeah. had spotted where you were and had yeah. meant it. Oh, no. right. well. well, that's my version. <laughs> now, now we'll get the real yeah. version. Well, I wish you'd told me about the
3: one that you'd seen before. <laughs> <laughs> I might have stayed back on my line a little bit more. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I remember... I, I remember him knock, knocking the ball in, and then I was thinking, "Hang on, this is not this is not bending." Like I'm thinking, it's going to be like a cross, and so I've gone one way, and then I've tried to get back the other way, and I've just got stuck. And I remember thinking when the ball was going over my head, I was thinking, "Please hit the bar, hit the bar," because I knew it was going to be close. And then I just heard it hit the net, and I was like, "Oh, you know, the feeling that I had inside. I knew it. I knew it had gone in." And people, even today, they still ask me, "Did he mean it, or did he, or was it a fluke?" And I says, and I always say, it doesn't matter. It still went in from about forty yards out. So, for me, it's a goalkeeping mistake. Straight after the game, Gilberto Silver came out and told me he didn't mean it, but you know, it still didn't matter. You know, so people still debate because he's actually said that he meant it. Yes, now, he did. You know? So, it's, yeah, you know. I, this is what Gilberto said. Gilberto,
1: the, of course, an Arsenal colleague of yours. Yeah, yeah, who
3: was, yeah, who played for Brazil, you know. So he, um, you know, whether he was trying to be kind to me or not, you know, but I'll take his answer. Well, yeah. <laughs> it was a fluke. <laughs> you've, you've, you've,
1: you've, <laughs> you, you've always answered those questions, very honestly. I seem to remember that one of the first people you rang after that, because you were pretty devastated, yeah. you rang Bob Wilson, your mentor and your coach. Yeah. And I remember him telling me that you how emotionally upset you were. I was, yeah, and I'd, and I'd never...
3: Um, like had those feelings as bad as that because I remember even well after the the uh, Ronaldinho scored the goal we'd still got about half an hour left of the game, you know. And then now I'm thinking, come on lads, you know, get me out of this. If we score and get an equalizer or whatever, then it, it's not as bad. But obviously, then the game finished. But I remember during the game thinking to myself, oh, you know, what about what what happened with David Beckham when he gets off? The treatment that he got for that you know what's it going to be like for me when i get home after this mistake you know even so stuff like that's going through my head while we we're actually playing and um you know luckily i didn't have a great deal to do afterwards but we lost the game and then it weren't until i started walking out towards the england fans because i was at the opposite end to them and i started walking up to them and i saw sort of saw them all cheering and you know that the, then i was like oh god you know i just it just felt that i'd let all them people down you know and i remember I remember David Beckham coming up to me, Ray Clemens, and Sven came up to me and said to me, and I can't tell you a word of what they said because I just don't remember what they said to me.
1: Well, it wasn't all down to that goal, David, because England didn't play particularly well in the second half against ten men, because yeah, by now, Rondinho right. was sent He'd off. He'd been sent off, yeah. But it seemed to remember there was some criticism of Sven's half-time team talk, that quote about um, we needed Churchill and we got Ian Duncan-Smith, which I think Gareth Southgate has half-admitted since then. Yeah. I mean, just trying to leave your, that goal on one side, it was a quarter-final, we were in the lead. Should England have done better overall in that game? I, I felt we should
3: because like, we had a good team. We had a good team at, at that stage, and like you said, when when uh, Ronaldinho went off, there was still quite a lot of time left, you know. And we didn't we didn't seem to create any chances. It wasn't like we were like bombarding their goalkeeper or or their penalty area. We just we just seemed to lose idea of what we needed to do, and you know, and like what you said with with Sven, it was for me it was always difficult that the fact that we have got a Swedish guy that wasn't a big strong character anyway. You know trying to motivate you in the dressing room it just for me it just never worked you know when you think of the managers that I've had in like Bobby Robson and Terry Venables and Glenn Hoddle and Graham Taylor Kevin Keegan you know all them they're massive motivators you know and but like when when it was Sven it was just totally different and and, and nowhere near the same this is Motty Meats on Talk Sport with David Seaman
1: Now, we move on again internationally because uh, the next thing that happened was that England, of course, had to try and qualify for the next European Championship. Your international career was coming towards a a close. Two more games for England in the qualifiers for that next tournament. Um, A 2-1 win against Slovakia. And a 2-2 draw. I was at this game at St Mary's, Southampton. You drew 2-2 with... Macedonia, and that proved to be your last international.
3: Yeah, it was. And Number I remember, 75. Yeah, I remember Macedonia scoring directly from a corner as well. Um, i never forget that. You know, the, the guy hit that ball with so much power and bend. And I remember I remember watching it afterwards, and I saw Alan Hansen absolutely hammering me, saying that I was old and I was past it, and my feet never left the ground. But when I freeze-framed the actual ball when it went over my head and then into the top corner... I was like full stretch and my feet were like two and a half nearly three foot off the ground you know so it just annoyed me a little bit that he'd hung <laughs> me out to dry but you know I knew that it was coming towards the end because of what happened in Brazil against Brazil and then you know I weren't playing my best stuff for England and I was coming towards the end of my uh, my career with Arsenal and uh, i never forget I Sven phoning me up and just saying that like the next squad I'm going to leave you out I'm going with the other goalkeepers and You know, it was a day that, you know, that was my last day, but it was a day that I would never retire from England. You know, I still haven't retired from England.
1: No, no, (laughs) yeah. You know,
3: it's not, I'm not not one of those people. I would play for England any day or night, you know, but I was just, yeah, it it was a sad time.
1: So the England career was over, but your club career wasn't. Uh, 2002 3 season, Arsenal again, notoriously good in FA Cup uh, football in those days, of course. Uh, reached the final of the FA Cup semi-final and played Sheffield United at Old Trafford. Yes. Now, I'm going to make a confession (laughs) here. You've made a couple. I'm going to make one here. I was commentating, and Sheffield United, who played pretty well, I think Warnock was the manager. That's right, They were on the attack, and the ball... Was in your penalty area, and there was, there was a. I, I felt I saw a Sheffield United player stab at it, yeah. and, I, and I, I think I probably realised it was Pesca Solido, and then I didn't know what had happened. <laughs> it happened so quickly. The ball went off in another direction, and I'm sitting there in the commentary box thinking, what well, what happened there? Well, fortunately, by this stage, of course, commentators were getting replays. And then yeah. when I saw the replay and saw your save, I, I thought, oh, my goodness, I didn't do that justice.
3: <laughs> well, you did. You did it quite well, actually, because I remember your commentary. Because like, I remember then on the on the replay, you were like, wow, this is all about Seaman, And it was just brilliant.
2: Page again. The chance to it. In. save. Breathtaking. Pesca Solido thought
3: he'd equalised. For that save to be, you know, which was undoubtedly my best save that I ever made. You know? You'd put it that high. Yeah, I would, yeah. You know, because it was a it was a different save. It, like you say, the ball came I think they had a corner and the ball came over and it ricocheted from side to side That's right. a couple of times, and then it, it ended up with, with Pesca Solido probably about three yards out, you know, and he tries to get ahead and he ends up getting like a header shoulder on it. And it's now gone, it's behind me. So I've now got to like arch back. But I know it's like right on the line. So I'm thinking I can't just push it. Otherwise, I'm going to push it into the net. Um, So I end up like getting my hand behind the ball, then realizing I've got to scoop it out. And I scoop it out up into the air. And I think it's, um, it's Phil Jagielka's coming in for the rebound. Thank God, he absolutely just skied it straight over the bar.
1: Otherwise, that save would have never got remembered, John. You know, it well, was just one of those things that... It's in FA Cup folklore, David. You were 39 <laughs> at the time. It was actually yeah. your 1,000th game. Yeah,
3: that's what I was told. I was told it was my 1,000th competitive game. And, and, and another funny story about that is that after the game, Paddy Kenny came up to me and he says, oh, do you want to swap shirts? I was like, yeah, swap shirts, no problem like that. And signed it, safe fans, David Seaman. And then... On the way home i got a phone call he's like have you got your shirt and i was like no way well it's you've made that save it's your 1000th game and i was like oh no and in the end i ended up phoning paddy and i says look paddy I says do you, you mind if back? you yeah, yeah and i said to him look i'll send you two shirts
1: and a pair of gloves and all that and to be fair to him he, he oh, said it it's a great guy good good now your last act almost for arsenal and this is yeah. another, another high which we was in the fa cup final where you beat southampton one nil um you were captain yes and that meant you lifted the trophy I know and it was it was a really
3: strange game you know we we win it 1-0 I had quite a decent game as well and a good save to make and then at the end of the game Patrick Vieira was injured that's why I was captain because I was vice captain for that season and um so I was I was the captain of the day I, you know presented everybody before the game which was brilliant you know I'll never forget it. you know I've always been on the other side of that you know you know, and then to do it I didn't know it was gonna be my last game for Arsenal if I'm honest. Um but after the game I went up to Patrick, I said and he Patrick had got his suit on and I said to him, We're gonna lift the trophy together and he's like, No, no. He says, No, it's you you're captain, you you go, it was your day. I went, No, we're doing it together. He's like, No, no, and I said to Patrick, I said, If you don't go up, I'm not going up. He's like, Really? I said, We go up together. He's like, Oh, okay, okay. So when you see the photos, it's me and Patrick. Patrick's in his suit. I'm in my, my goalkeeper's jersey with my armband on. And, and it was a great moment. But like you say, I say, I didn't know it was going to be my last game for Arsenal. At that stage, John, I was, like I say, I was 39. I would always sign a year's contract. I uh, finished the game. I went on holiday to Portugal. And uh, Arsene Wenger phoned me up. I remember it clearly that I, I was on the beach in Portugal. He phoned me up and says, David, I've got an offer for you. And I was thinking, oh, okay. He said, I want you to be my number three goalkeeper. And I was like, oh, Wow. And then he said, "But I want you to be my goalkeeping coach." And I thought, "Oh, that's because it was something that I was interested in." Obviously, having yeah. having had Bob, and realising what he did for me, I, w- I wanted to pass some on. And then and then Arsene said, "He said, but there's a seventy five percent wage drop," and I, and I and I was on the beach and I just started laughing, and I said, "I said, Arsene, I said, look, you know what I'm going to do? I've got two other clubs interested in me. I've got Birmingham City, and Man City." You know, and, Man and City with Kevin Keegan. Man City with Kevin Keegan in the new stadium. And I just thought, well, you know, I, and I said to Arsenal, I, I still feel I can play.
1: So that, that that will be my choice. So that was it for Arsenal and David Seaman. 564 appearances, nine major trophies, three league titles, four FA Cups, one League Cup, the European Cup Winners' <laughs> Cup. David, what did Arsenal mean to you?
3: Oh, it meant everything to me. And it, and it meant that, the decision that I made was justified because when, when I was at QPR I wanted to go and see how good I was. In, I went to Arsenal for less money than I was being offered at QPR so I took a, pay, a wage drop to go and play for Arsenal You know, but I knew that if I went to somewhere like Arsenal I would be tested and there was a great chance of winning trophies and And it was just it was a fantastic time to, not not just to be a player but to to go to Arsenal and win things, you know. People people come up to me all the time and say
1: they just shake my hand. They say thanks for all the memories. As you just said, you signed briefly for Manchester City under Kevin Keegan. You announced your retirement in January two thousand and four at the age of forty. Yes. Did, did that seem to you to be the the kind of landmark moment to go, so to speak?
3: A little bit, yeah. I, I was I was ready. Um, I went to Man City and it didn't go as well as I wanted it to go if I'm honest yeah I wasn't playing my best football and I remember we were we were playing away at Wolves and the ball was down the other end and I was stood there just watching and then I just had this feeling I was like what am I doing and that's the first time I'd ever had any feeling like that about calling it a day and I just thought that's a sign. The next day, I used, to, I used to rent one of Kevin Keegan's apartments off him and I used to live next door to him. So the next day I went round and said, look, I've, we need to have a chat. And I, and I said to him, I said, look, I'm going to retire in the summer. you know." So he had like quite a bit of time to line up another goalkeeper. And then uh, 10 days later, we played away at Portsmouth and uh, I went down at Yakubu's feet and I, my knee dug into the turf, which then swung me over and my shoulder hit his knee. And Yacouba was a unit, oh, yes. <laughs> so my shoulder wasn't going to win. Anyway, I came off that game because I was badly injured. I had the uh, the scans and the x-rays and saw that it was going to be like two or three months. You know, I'd, I'd sprained the AC joint, so that, that meant there was a chance of it dislocating. And I didn't want to finish the game with a really bad injury. And I said, look, I'll call it a day. You know, And he said to me, he says, I've got a chance of getting David James. I said, you get him and I'll retire. And that's how quickly it came around.
1: Well, that was 15 years ago, David. Um, I know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, people are going to say, well, what else has David Seaman done apart from fishing in those... F-
3: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fishing, a lot of golf, ice skating, you
1: know. We know, we know that you're success at yeah, that,
3: Yeah, I, I, I still ice skate now, you know. Me yeah. and my wife, Frankie, we skate every week, you know, but... Uh... Yeah, he's been 15 years happily retired. Mm-hmm. You know, and
1: people say, "Oh, do you miss it?" And I can honestly, honestly say, I don't miss it one bit. Well, I tell you what, it's been—it was a great career, David. I must say that, thousand um, games and 75 caps, and goodness knows how many trophies. And <laughs> it's been a great pleasure talking to you, seeing you in such good fettle. <laughs> <Yeah>. And um, <laughs> thanks for joining our programme. Pleasure, mate. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you the undisputed world heavyweight champion of football
2: commentators in another knockout interview motty meets on talk sport